0: Morning. Let's all get. Let's all begin together. If everybody wants to come in, Psalms, uh, Psalms two, Psalms chapter number two. Why, why did the nations rebel? And why are the countries devising plots that are going to fail? The kings of the earth form a united front. The rulers collaborate against the Lord and his anointed king. They say, let's tear off the shackles they put on us. Let's free ourselves from their robes. The one enthroned in heaven laughs in disgust. The Lord taunts them. Then he angrily speaks to them and terrifies them in his rage, saying, I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. And the king says, I will announce the Lord's decree he said to me. It's something you have to re- you, you don't have to, but I would recommend that you receive this being that we are the body of the Lord. I am his son, I am his daughter. The Lord's announcing a decree and He's saying this to you and me. You are my son and you are my daughter. This very day I have become your father. Ask me. Just ask. Not, it's not like a pleading asking but it's just a simple asking of the Lord ask me and I will give I will give you the nations as your inheritance I'll give the ends of the earth as your personal property you'll break them with an iron scepter you'll smash them like a potter's jar so now you kings do what is wise you rulers of the earth submit to correction serve the Lord in fear repent in terror give sincere homage to the Lord otherwise you'll be angry and you'll die because of your behavior when his anger quickly ignites how blessed it is those that take shelter in the Lord so there's an invitation like this morning to be caught up into the shelter of the Most High so I invite you into a Psalms 91 I invite you to come up into the heavens with the Lord in the shelter the place. Mary spoke of when she was overshadowed, and the very Son of God was formed in her womb. It's the place beyond the veil. Now we're going to enter in beyond the veil, where the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, where Jesus, our great pioneer, went ahead for us, and the blood has already purchased our path into and beyond the veil our high priest has made a way for us today we enter in we enter in corporately the wings of the dove the wings of the morning dawn the wings of the dove surround us psalm 68 oh dove of god oh holy spirit oh Sovereign one, come down and light, your light, your light, your light, break out, so we don't have to like try to get in anymore, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, we're in him and he's in us. I don't have to fight for my position anymore. Jesus has already provided a way for us. All the blood, all the blood has paid. All the
1: blood has purchased this right of passage. It's why Jesus had the, the whip, and scourge, and he said, don't make my house a marketplace. Don't make it a den of thieves, a den of robbers. My Father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. We're already there. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now, now, already caught up, already in the Lord. Heaven on earth,
0: heaven on earth right now. not to be Address something before we go even more further because we can't, we it's something we can't proceed without this being addressed. And the word keeps saying to me there's an issue with heart disease, and then I was waiting on the word. And then, so when Stephen started uh, singing with our hearts, um, how, how do you say it? What was that? If our hearts had hands, and what, what's the lyric? they would clap to the sound and rhythm with your heart.
2: Yeah, so there's a...
0: There's been so much heart disease. Yeah. And it could be a literal issue that's in here. I'm not sure, like a a healing issue related to heart disease. But I think the lyric that um, Stephen's singing is, it, it has to do with flowing in the rhythms of grace, in the rhythm of the Lord. Lord's bringing us in, in, this like a sort of like a butterfly where the uh, you can't have like one wing flapping and the other one not, you need rhythm. Yeah. And so, as he, you know, we hear the rhythm guitar or the lead guitar, you hear this rhythm. Yeah. What has to happen is we're what's happening is we're becoming in sync with uh, with this gentle Holy Spirit, but where there's been heart disease, there's a healing. That is happening right now so that the rhythm of our heart matches with the rhythm of God. Holy Spirit longs for this. He longs for this. He doesn't want the rhythm to be broken anymore. Between us and him. so much it's the grieving of the Holy Spirit that the rhythm of our heart would match the rhythm of his no more broken rhythm no more getting out of rhythm he's gonna make us fly oh you're made to take flight Gentle,
1: the gentleness of God, the kindness of the Lord. Yes. He's so delicate and pure and holy.
0: Oh, I want you in rhythm with me, says the Lord. I'm going to heal all the heart disease. No more heart disease. No more backing off. It's sometimes we just go to fly and then
1: we, we go back into our consciousness and it just, whoa going on what's going on i can't go oh there's so much freedom in the lord
0: i'm not self-referential you're my reference point lord my uncomfortability
1: i just want your rhythm god oh i want to fly with you heal all the heart disease and all the things have held us back Holy Spirit bring a healing in this room right now my heart's been wounded
0: now you're coming out of the chrysalis all these used to be caterpillars you've been in a you've been in a chrysalis chrysalis for a long time I, I like saw on the light rail like a rail and all these butterflies were coming they were perching on the off the rail coming
2: through
0: it's been a long time of exile it's been a long time sitting and waiting on the Lord it's been a long time in the darkness it's been a long time when you were being readjusted to how to be able to behold him you would know him even in the darkness because even the darkness is light with God it was for the training of your senses The exercising of your senses
1: coming out of the chrysalis. There's a birthing happening.
0: Oh, it's a new day. It's a new order of life.
1: And sons and daughters coming out. It may take you a little while to get used to this new metamorphosis, this transformation, this transformation. If I don't know. unfurl. Life is flowing into the wings of the butterfly.
2: Coming!
3: I saw this picture when we were just doing that. It was like a concert. So when you, I used to have a video and it was this concert in Central Park. It was like 50,000 people. And in the beginning of the video, it shows before the concert. So they haven't opened up the gates yet. There's this mass of people waiting behind this gate. And then I saw the Lord open the gate and he just said, come on. And it was free, not free like it didn't cost anything, not free, it was freedom, it was free, it was actually free, there was a, it was a boldness, it was a freedom, it was was the greatest joy, it had so much, the Father was just so, so thrilled so happy. As, the, as, as it says in Psalms, he was spinning around under a violent emotion of joy. And I just kept hearing him say, come and get my heart. Come and get it. It's here. It's always been here. I have always opened it up for you. It's here. Come and get my heart.
4: Flies And um, when you bring them in and they, they make this chrysalis, I used to think they were all brown, um, like what you see outside. But the, the monarch makes this amazing green, vibrant green box, Like I mean around it. It looks like a jewel box because on the outside, which is amazing, I don't know how it happens, but this ring around the top is got gold beads all around it. I mean, it's like a jewel box. And um, just that, that process of being in the chrysalis is beautiful. And um, if you ever look up the monarch, it's, just, it's beautiful, the chrysalis they make. And then he was walking me through the process of just being in that cocoon and changing the transformation. And then when we had them inside, as soon as they start to open up, you've got to get them out in the sun because when their wings unfold, they can't fly until they've um, soaked in the sun. That kind of, it evaporates the dampness and the dewness on its wings. So they just lay there until they're like, ready, and I just feel like, that's how God wants us to be, like, ready, and that's just soak in him, and then you can fly. And. Um, and then even a step further is, you know, that erratic pattern that butterflies, how they just dart around and it doesn't look graceful like a bird. It's actually, um, scientists believe that that's erratic because the, the enemy is birds. And the birds can't predict where they're going to go. So it's actually, it's a protective mechanism. So if you feel like you're like over here, and God just gave me so much peace about life doesn't like go from A to B, it's like zigzaggy, you know, all these different quirky things that happen in our lives that we can't draw a pattern to is like actually a protection from the enemy, like a butterfly, how they dart around is actually a protection for them.
5: ago Erin had this sort of um, what was to her a curious experience we were out somewhere and this Monarch butterfly settled on her shoulder and she, so she stood there just looking at him I thought, and that memory of her you know, I knew at the time Lord was saying something and it's for now it's like we are the Monarch butterflies what is a Monarch it's his government sitting on his shoulders face to face with the king and that is the place of wings unfolding. In a birth, when the baby's head starts to crown, I saw the Lord birthing and like that. And then, as we started talking about chrysalis, I'm like, oh Jesus, there's another objective proof of an unseen reality that you're doing. And as, as the Lord enters into the life of those like Taylor Swift, and he sings those songs to us. He is coming upon the earth and he is coming after those.
0: Psalm 68 verse, King's leading armies run away, they run away. The lovely lady of the house divides up the loot. When you lie down among the sheepfolds, the wings of the dove are covered with silver and glittering gold that glittering gold there I studied this years ago that glittering gold there references back to what Kelly was saying it's actually it's called green gold Um, and when the sovereign uh, judge scatters kings let it snow on Zalman that's a very complex thing but Let's just say that it's happening this morning, when the dove lights into the room. Years ago I was like struggling really bad with this whole ministry, and I was having an issue with blue and white, and uh, blue collar, white collar. Blood, red blood. And I remember it, this was so, and I remember the word saying, Instead of blue and white, why don't you take purple? Instead of blue and red, why don't you take purple? And instead of blue and white, why don't you have silver and gold that I give? You know, because so many of us have typified ourselves in socioeconomic systems like that. Uh, we've known ourselves by the working of our hands, blue the working of our minds white. We've known ourselves politically and aligned ourselves blue. There's been a lot of illegitimacy in that and there's legitimacy in it, to be known. And we've aligned ourselves with the red, righteousness, but there's been a lot of illegitimacy in that, domination. But the legitimacy of the blue and the red, the legitimacy, the righteousness, the character, the red, the blue, to be really known for who you are. Self-discovery. In the Lord, they come together as one. You know what you have? You have purple. You have the glittering dove who just comes down into the midst of the people. The silver and the gold is the Lord's. Uh, And it's green gold, It said. It's green glittering gold into the midst. Why not have me? Why not have me more than anything? The Lord would say to us. Why not me? Well, I can take care of everything. I created you. I'll take care of everything. So we don't have to side with blue and white. We don't have to side with blue and red, right? And out of that is what we've entered into, this chrysalis. Lord 14 years ago told me one day you'll see the birthing of the butterfly. 14 years ago. He said, One day I'll birth the butterfly. Now I believe he's saying that today. There was a birthing that happened last week yep. with the man child. <laughs> God is birthing a monarchy government in the earth, his. Kings leading armies, they run away, they run away. The lovely lady of the house divides of the loop. How, when you lie down, The wings of the dove are covered with silver and with glittering green gold. When the sovereign judge scatters the kings, who? The, guess what Jeff's saying? The kings of the world who do not represent him, when he scatters them, Well, um, let's get started. (laughs) I mean, it's been amazing. I think what we're going to get now is a... uh, Yeah, I'm going to attempt to do... I'm going to attempt to uh, bring forth the word of the Lord here. Uh, This is a... There's a lot of complexity in actually this message. And so, Jesus, I just ask you for the anointing to be able to bring forth your word and where that it is uh it makes sense to us and and that it's revelation but it enlightens enlightens us uh to what you're actually doing this morning what you're speaking it's wisdom lord wisdom for it for the impartation of the of your understanding in your word Uh, first of all, uh, I appreciate uh, the words and the song. Thank you, Sierra. That was really touching this morning. Uh, for being bold to take your lyrics and sing them, thank you so much for doing that. It's, a, uh, it's beautiful, it's very touching. And for those of you that, uh, as you're waiting on the word, you're taking courage to speak out of the revelation and the life that god has placed inside of you thank you for doing that thank you for moving out um and trusting the lord and allowing yourself to enter into who jesus is in you and um, if you're quiet it's okay as well but if you feel impressed of the lord to say something then please please feel free to exercise the gift of god in you because uh, it gives us context And we need that, right? You've heard me say before that everything's a pretext if it doesn't have a context. Every text is. And so a lot of times if we're going to frame reference points in this room, we need a context. Or we won't really understand what's going on. And God doesn't deliver a context entirely to one person. It's the many member sons and daughters that receives and builds a context. And then out of that, we understand the text But if there wasn't a context, you know, y'all ever try to tell someone a story and you have to build the story before you can actually tell the story? You know, you can't really say exactly what's going on if you don't give a context to it. And so that happens a lot in uh, our relationship. Well, the Lord, he's very relational, so he likes to build context so that when he brings out a text, we're like, oh, I see what's going on here. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't. We wouldn't understand him, and so he did that ultimately through the man Jesus Christ. You know, he's the Logos, right? The Rama Word. He comes into our form, man, and so now the Word has a context called a human being to come into, so that we can receive the text, uh, the character and nature of God through the context of the of, of our own humanity or we would not be able to re, maybe we would struggle relating to him because he would not be like us sometimes like in the ministry of the word the only way really to get things into our understanding is to tell a story storytelling was what Jesus used because it helped us to have a way to relate. It's very, uh, the narrative, as you all know about me, I'm, I have all these substructures, structures, concepts. They're all like a lot, actually. And they're all laid out in all these formulas I have in my mind. Well, that doesn't, that's not necessarily relatable all the time. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Kelly? I know. That, that's really not funny. No. So I'm asking the Lord for wisdom. How do you relate all that structure, concepts, massive dimensional space? How do you get that into like right now this morning? And um, this last week I, you know, sent, sent this out and Stephen and I met and he said, you know, this really helped me a lot. And I thought, well, if it's helping (laughs) Stephen. Well, the thing is, is him and I are very close. We've been close for a long time. And if he's saying, as close as we are as friends, if he's saying, this really helped me out a lot, and we've been through so many things together, and he's been helped and said, it helped to frame things into a reference that helps me to understand Well, I think that it might be important to pay attention to what Stephen's saying. So the the best way to help with chrysalis this morning and a monarch butterfly is to use something I used years ago and I've used with leadership to just talk a little bit uh, this morning about how do I translate this idea of monarchy and God's royal government into everyday life? I mean, you hear what Jeff said about the houses at the Biltmore. Now, wait a minute, Jeff. Now it's not, is it? And how do I translate that? You know, that sounds like a that sounds like a pretty radical thing to say. Uh, how can you make a leap between Hidden Seventy Five Hidden Bluff and a house over here? How are you making that kind of transaction? And um, so maybe this will help. And maybe it'll it'll help you to understand what's happening with you. So uh, when I was asking the Lord years ago, back when we were in the fire department, I said, I don't, I mean, this is really hard because you're saying believe something about yourself, live like you believe it, and let everything else go except what I reveal to you, what I'm saying to you. Now, how are you supposed to live your life by doing Nothing except what you see your Father doing. You know, because Jesus said, I do what? Nothing. I except. That's a really big exception clause. I mean, you think about what Jesus is saying. That's a pretty radical thing to be going about. I do nothing except. I mean, well, certainly the Lord's okay with I do nothing and something do you see what I'm saying I reserve something and then I'll every once in a while do nothing but Jesus says I do nothing except what I see my father doing and so wait a minute that's a pretty radical thing to say it's even more radical that we would actually believe that and say that's how I'm going to live my life And that's what began to happen to me. I began saying, you know what? I'm going to do nothing. Except. Oh, you talk about offensive. It's offensive. It's an offensive way to live. Now, Carol, you can't live like that. Um, I can't live like that. The king did. The king of glory did. And it says in uh, John 13 that no servant is greater than his master. And certainly no son is greater than the son of glory. Now, now wait a minute. That's really like putting it on us, isn't it? You mean to tell me that if I'm going to step into royalty, because we're not, we're talking about the fellowship of royalty. If we're stepping into true monarchy, if we're stepping into the monarch butterfly, well, let's be real. Let's just be real. If the monarch, the monarch, the The capitalized T-H-E, capitalized M-O-N-A-R-C-H. The Monarch. If he says, I do nothing except what I see my father doing, well, if you want to step into monarchy, you're going to have to live a life like him. Or you'll live your life another way. And everything that Christ, has is ours. But it's contingent. Anything that's not faith is sin. sin. Anything. So anything, so we have anything, nothing, and everything, and something. <laughs> so if anything that's not faith is sin, and nothing is the only thing he does, and, you know, I we've joked about this, Winnie the Pooh, you know, Christopher Robin, that movie, it's really telling, and it's it's a really good film. But he says, uh, you know, to uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the guy, the lead actor's name, plays in Christopher Robin? He like plays Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, Ewan yeah, Ewan McGregor. He tells him, he says, the very best of something comes from nothing, <laughs> and that's what he finds out. Ewan McGregor finds out that his business initiatives, all the things he's trying to run. They just are collapsing in on him, and he can't get it together. He feels like a beat, a beat down dad. He can't provide for his family effectively. He's always having to live under the gun by someone else. He's, you know, And he's in this place of discovery, learning who he really is, and he goes through this whole thing, and there's a story being told there, and, and it's, it's a very powerful story, and we think that can't be the way that you can live your life. Well, I I would just suggest that if you want to be in the fellowship of the king, you're going to live like he does. And that's how you're going to get to know him. I do nothing except what I see my father doing. Well, when this started to hit me years ago, and I mean, I've got all kinds of people watching me doing things that were very, they're very odd probably. What is that grown man doing? You can't live like that. Well, who are you to say? Because I already did the whole thing. I already had a flat spin my aircraft and I'd already done all that. I'd already earned my degree. I'd already like did the thing in the world. And when the Lord called me, I was like, you know what? All right, fine. You know what? If it's not that way, then it's got to be another way. And if I'm leaving my six figures and my titles and I'm leaving all my, you know, all that stuff. And I was the really cool guy, you know. I was, to my, I was the hero and legend of my own mind. <laughs> I was amazing. I remember, like, I remember fussing at the words, saying, how could you do this to such amazement? <laughs> Kicking the ground when we moved to Saluda. The rock's like, don't you know who I am? I'm amazing. <laughs> I mean, literally I said that. <laughs> like, I can't talk like that to God. Well, yeah, you can. He already knows you think it. You know, I did. I'm you know, I was telling him I was running, I was running IOS approaches and PARs and I was going through all this stuff that I was so amazing about. I could like fly by the seat of my pants. I could do whatever. He's like, sit down. I was, <laughs> you know, this little guy. See, this is arrogant. I was voted most arrogant out of my whole officers' class, the most arrogant man they've ever met. I said, "Who else is going to fly what do you, a fifty million dollar aircraft and not be a little arrogant?" And I thought, and this is what I said to my officer in charge. I said, "I thought we all were leaders. I didn't know that was the wrong thing to say." <laughs> I thought y'all. I thought y'all were in charge too. I didn't know. How could I be arrogant if you're in charge? Oh, you're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I am. Well, I'll just uh, be in charge then, uh, since y'all don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad, do not it? Yeah. Well, you know, God's got to start somewhere. Point. The point is, is like how how are we going to get to a point where we do nothing except what we see the Father doing? Well. I was struggling with this and being humbled quite a bit all the time and humiliated. And so I, I found this thing. The Lord told me, go to Soren Kierkegaard, read this story about the emperor and the day laborer. And so I want to read you all a little story. Because if we're really going to understand, maybe this will be helpful today. And I, like I said, I've done this with leadership and things. But I, I think it's like the Lord tells me, use that again. Because if we're going to talk about monarchy... And we're going to if we're going to throw around that word and we're going to throw around the monarch butterfly and we're going to talk about like birthing into a uh, through the chrysalis into a whole new realm where we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Well, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. I mean, for real, yeah. let's not going around, throwing around terms like Biltmore House and, you know, juxtapose the hidden bluff. Let's not kid ourselves. If I were to imagine to myself I was a day laborer and the mightiest emperor that ever lived, and there was this mighty emperor, and he he uh, he took a notion to send for the poor man, the uh, day laborer, and he says, uh, "Who would ever dream, who who had never dreamed, the day laborer, and it never entered into his mind that the emperor knew of heart even to know his own existence." and who therefore would think himself indescribably fortunate if merely he was permitted once to even see the emperor, and would recount to the children and his children's children the most important event of his life. So he, what he's saying is, what if this day laborer got to one day uh, shake the hands of the emperor, or, you know, they're like, uh, make sure you get our picture. You know, I just shook the hand of the emperor, and he puts it up on the wall, and he's like, people come in, they're like, you know the emperor? Yeah, I shook his hand. (laughs) Me and him are like on terms. Oh, really? He called you yesterday? (laughs) um, Well, no. (laughs) But still, I had my moment. Everybody's like, wow, you must be special. He's like, you know. So he says, but what if this emperor sent for him and informed him that he wished to have him for his son-in-law? It might be hard for us to imagine because an emperor is like in charge of a whole entire nation. It's not even like our president. It's beyond president. It's like, you know, I was scouring throughout the land and I found a guy. That guy that works over there, he's a blacksmith. That's the guy I want to be my son-in-law wait a minute wait a minute what about peerage and like royalty you don't go match a princess with the blacksmith i mean he has no upbringing he don't even know how to you know he don't even know how to like he comes in the room he's he don't even know how to sit right he don't know how to tell all the servants what to do he don't know The he doesn't know how to act uh he doesn't know how to act he's just uh sort of like uh he hadn't had all the, uh, he, hadn't, he don't know all the rules. You know, like when a servant comes by, he kind of gives them an eye, and then they come bow down and hand him his tray of food and stuff, or uh, opens the door for him, because you know, the emperor, the emperor's uh, daughter, she don't have a driver's license. <laughs> don't need one. She didn't go to school to get educated in all the, uh, what do you call it, how to be efficient. <laughs> she, she's not efficient. She's dignified. She's not like, well, she knows how to sweep a floor and mop and stuff. She don't even know what a mop is. <laughs> now, how is this blacksmith, little fella, uh, how is he going to relate to her? I mean, he got his driver's license. She didn't. You know what I mean? How is someone of that kind of class? the emperor goes up to him, says, "You know, I want you to be my son-in-law." Well, then the laborer, the, the day laborer, he might humbly, and will become somewhat very puzzled, shamefaced and embarrassed. And it, it would seem to him quite humanly, because there is a strong human element in this something exceedingly strange, something quite mad, the last thing in the world about which he would say a word to anyone else about. Since he himself in his own mind can't, is not that far to explaining it himself. That the emperor wanted him to, to make a fool of him so that the poor man would be the laughing stock of the whole town. His picture in the papers, the story of his espousal to the emperor's daughter the theme and he, he calls it the ballad mongers which means the people that write music or poetry oh they're gonna make they're gonna laugh him to scorn yeah 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 the emperor wants you the day laborer to be the son-in-law of his princess daughter right I mean I, I anyways <laughs> I was thinking about my Elizabeth my Elizabeth you know I'm like no 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 mm nope <laughs> I said I told her the other day I said of course they like you I, said, I was like you're Elizabeth and um of course you're going to be like whatever that whatever and say this and try to get you to go meet their parents and stuff of course I was like who do these knuckleheads think they are anyways of course you're going to be trying to you know don't they know who you are you're my, you know, you're my girl and you're way beyond them. Way beyond all of them. You know, I just tell you straight up. You're a really special girl. And don't you let that this fella the other day, she probably wouldn't want me to say, I better not. <laughs> you think you're going to court my daughters? <laughs> You've lost your ever-living mind. The gun came out. No. <laughs> you know, so the labor so the labor the labor back to the laborer guy. The thing, the thing is, however, becoming the emperor's son in law might readily be subjected to the test of reality. Okay. So that the laborer would be able to ascertain how far the emperor was serious about the matter. Or whether he merely wanted to make fun of the poor fellow render him unhappy for the rest of his life and help him to find his way to the madhouse okay so all that okay so the laborer says i just need a small expression just like a little small token for you to just tell just tell some of the people just tell them that i'm really special and you want me to be your son-in-law you don't have to tell everybody i understand it's a little embarrassing but just could you just tell a few people. If I could just ascertain that you're like really serious, if you're really serious, you'll tell some other people. Y'all came in later, but what we're doing is we had something amazing happen this morning, but it's like, oh, for real, Lord, you're bringing out a monarchy? Okay. Right out here in the middle of Hidden Bluff? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, for real? <laughs> you know? Oh. Well, okay, with your people, we're the royal family. I mean, we're the royal family. This can't be, this can't be. Is it? You know, so we have to have a little story. So, So now, if he would do this, and he could get it through his head, it would be understood in the market town by the highly respected cultural public. So the ones of the social higher classes, that maybe relate to the king or the emperor. He could just say it and then the, so, the socially cultured, the, the uh, upper class, they are respected in the public and so they, they would be able to say, yeah, the emperor said that. He sure enough did. So then all the people that are writing music aren't going around or the people that tweet and get on Twitter and uh, they're not like the ones who are putting uh, memes out that's the modern-day ballad monger. The memes and the, like, whatever, 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 and insult. So if you just told some of the upper-class people, they could kind of quell some of the, the memes. In short, even, even if it's in this great population of people, even in a big city, just, like, say it to just, just a few upper-class people, and then I feel like I can get some respect. But what if... It was with respect to possessing the understanding of and sense of an extraordinary from a very small market town. What if everybody knows your name? Oh, no. (laughs) This thing of becoming the emperor's son-in-law would then be far too much. And suppose now that this was not an external reality, so let's step it into something even further. What if it's just an inward thing? What if... No factual proofs could be, could not help the laborer to certitude. So the emperor is not going to tell anybody. He's going to keep it quiet. And faith itself was the only facticity. And so that all that's left is faith. Whether he possessed the humble courage enough to dare to believe it. Oh, man. Jesus is going to say, "Remember, anything that's not faith is what." He's going to say, "I only do, I do nothing, what except what I see my Father doing." So Jesus isn't going around and giving any uh, facts to maybe support the evidence in your life, possibly that you're royalty. And we would think, "No, that's not how he'd do it." You know, he'd yeah, give some pomp and circumstance. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> where's my nice car? Uh, you know, where's my house? I mean, where's the uh, the bling bling? Where's the gold and the silver? There's got to be something to like show forth the greatness, right? And then he says, for impudent courage cannot help one to believe. And impudent courage was the kind of courage I was saying I had. It's called arrogance. You know, um, you know the Lord has to break all that, but you know, I'm pretty amazing, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, That is, cocky boldness isn't going to get you, that's not the kind of faith God's after, It's cocky boldness. So how many laboring men or women, in this case men because of son-in-law, but how many do you think are likely to possess this courage? Yeah, you, come on now. Yeah, you're going to possess this courage. Yes, you are yeah i'm believing this this is what's happening to us this morning while we're worshiping you know what's happening courage is rising in your heart you're believing that's what's happening you're you're believing you're actually saying oh you're my father Now i trust you you don't have to give me anything you don't have to prove actually anything i'm going to believe you even if all the objection says otherwise I'm gonna believe you no matter if you do give the goods or you don't. I'm gonna believe you in my whole heart and I'm gonna worship you with my whole heart. Money, no money. House, no house. Car, no car. Whatever. I don't need any external reality Good looks, bad looks, whatever. I don't need an external reality to seek me in the knowledge that you are my father. And i tell you what, I'm going to even take it even further than that. I'm going to become more indignified than this. <laughs> That's what David did. I'll throw it off and put on some white garments. I, I'll let my linen ephod. I'm going to dance with all my might. Why? Because I know who I am in him. And that is the greatest reality of Christianity that there will ever be. That God would put a baby in a manger, his own son. That God would allow him to die on a cross as a mock criminal and put him up in front of everybody. That wasn't the end of Jesus' deal. You know where he's at right now. And I love what Charles Spurgeon says exaltation through humiliation look at yonder gore god is groaning on a tree but you know where he's at now he's seated at the right hand of the father ever living to intercede on our behalf that we the sons and daughters of god would believe with a full assurance of faith in our heart that no matter what we've been given or what talents we have or how much money we have or don't have, how much education, whatever we look like, that the Father loves us. And He's our Father. That reality in the human spirit is where the power actually lies. And He gives glory to the Father. So, yeah, the Lord's allowed some objective things in your life, some objects into your life that are trying to tell you a different story. I'm Joseph. (laughs) Everybody knows what I mean. (laughs) Joseph and Mary. Tom McManus writes a modern day tale back in 1996 of what would it have been like for Joseph and Mary to bring forth Jesus, born in, he's going to be born in a manger. What was it like from Joseph's perspective, a carpenter from Nazareth, to say, "Um, I had an angelic encounter, and my wife here, Mary, whom I was not with intimately, but I don't know how to explain that, but still, she has a son of God in her belly. This carpenter Nazareth thing is over. (laughs) This thing's getting good. (laughs) I got the son of God. (laughs) Blink, blink. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Son of God. Like, for real. Well, y'all don't believe me? No, for real. You understand? I mean, he's already went through he could divorce her quietly or stone her to death. Right base, stone her to death. That's the red. You know, can't be made to look bad in front of all my buddies. Stone her to death. Making me look bad. We weren't even together. We're still in betrothal. She's been messing around on me. That's a uh uh-uh. you know that that's not cool. S- especially, especially then. That is not cool. He, that is not cool. You don't talk about make a make somebody madder than a firecracker. We're like engaged to get married and she's pregnant and I hadn't been with her. No way. Right? I'm gonna either stone her to death, and he thought to divorce her quietly. Left base, I'm just gonna get quiet about this thing, and just, you know, what well, what was going on with you and Mary? I don't remember. <laughs> Mary who? <laughs> I'm uh, trying to build houses and stuff. Well, this Mary thing, I don't know. Right? You see the stigma? Anything that's born of God always carries that stigma. Anything. It always carries the stigma. It always will. Get used to it. You're going to carry a stigma. The left can't understand you, and the right can't understand you. It's the wisdom of God. You're not, you sort of, it's a paradox. You kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm doing nothing except what I see my father doing. You can't live like that. Who says? Jesus did. You know the amazing, the amazing thing about the story, the way it progresses, is you would think that a person would say this, this is what he says. If you don't have the courage, you would be offended, and then he would then perhaps honestly and plainly admit such a thing is too high for me. You know, I'm going around. I'm at you know, I'm the blacksmith. I'm going around believing. I mean, y'all know these stories, like the guy that thinks that gal's gonna marry him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know. He said, I got a word from the Lord, you know. She's going to marry me. You're like, <laughs> I remember this guy. He came up to me. He said, The Lord told me I'm going to marry Misty Edwards. And I, you know, Misty Edwards, you know, a secret aha, but he came up. He said, I'm telling you flat down. I about busted out, laughing right in his face. I said, You're not getting her, man. I said, I, It's not the Lord. I, he's like, He told me it was. I was like, no, he did not. I said, that girl's so chaste that you'll never even get close to her. I was like, she's, she's I don't think, she, I don't even know if she's going to get married. Um, You know, it sort of was laughable because he was sort of like the day day, day laborer. And she's on these platforms and she's singing in these big conferences and stuff. And I'm like, there's probably 700 guys sitting there thinking, she's going to marry me. <laughs> I'm gonna be somebody one day, <laughs> you know. You're like, no, nah, man. Sorry, not happening. I mean, this, you know. So the blacksmith's going around saying, "The emperor told me the princess is gonna be mine." No, nah. <laughs> not you, buddy. <laughs> uh, you better think twice. You don't. Need, you have no culture. You just picked your nose. <laughs> it's just not gonna. You know what I mean? Where's your culture? You have no culture. You don't even know what culture is. Hey, listen. I'm not saying that blacksmiths don't have culture. I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, Steve's a blacksmith. Christianity. What about Christianity? Christianity teaches that this particular individual, and so every individual, whatever in every other respects, this individual may be a man, a woman, a serving maid, a minister of state, a merchant, a barber, a student, etc. This individual exists before God. This individual who perhaps would be vain for having once in his life talked with a king. This man who is not a little proud of living on intimate terms with that person or the other, this man exists before God, can talk to God any moment. He or she will, sure to be heard by him. In short, this man or woman is invited to live on the most intimate terms with God. Furthermore, for this man's sake, God came to the world. He let himself be born. He suffers and dies. This suffering God even begs or entreats man to accept the help which is offered him. Verily, if there is anything that would make a man lose his understanding, it's surely this. Do you have the humble courage to dare to believe it? Must be offended by it. But why is he offended? Listen, because it's too high for him. Because he can't get his head into it. Because at the the face of it, he can't accept or acquire that frank-heartedness. And therefore, it must be done away with. Brought to naught. It's nonsense. For it would stifle him. Again, you know, and I've said this a number of times in this message. Jesus, it does nothing except what he sees the Father doing. And if Jesus, the royal... The monarch lives like that. For you to understand him, you have to too. What's the offense? You can't live like that. Jesus did. I can't live like that. We can't get on like that. Jesus did. I can't wait on God every day and wait for him to reveal himself to me. Jesus did. (laughs) Are you a Christian? I can't rest in faith knowing that he'll take care of everything. Jesus did. I can't be in the presence of my friends and family and live like that. Jesus did. That guy's hungry. Go in there and help him. You want to talk about offensive, the next thing Jesus said, because they're trying to get in there. He's healing all these people and things. And what is he? He says, Who are who is my mother and brothers? His mama's trying to feed him. You want to talk about offensive, man, when you talk about your mama like that. <laughs> who are Who is my mother and brothers but those who keep the word of the Lord? That's offensive, man. You want to offend your whole family. Jesus just did, or he didn't. I mean, Jesus says, like, it's my meat to do the Father's will. You see, if... What's happening in life so much, the dynamic we're missing so much is, it really is, we've, we've taken Christianity and made it an intellectual faith. We've said it's a set of creeds and we believe those. But when it comes to everyday living life, family life, business life, we've sort of compartmentalized Jesus and put him over here and then we do life. And then we go and we hang out with the church. And then we say, well, you know, the church, yeah. And then we were like, oh, yeah, and we praise the Lord and stuff. Then Monday we go back to life. And the Lord's like, you got this thing in reverse. He's like, I wanted you to live like this all the time. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. I want to hear your voice. I want to see what you're doing. I'm going to wait until I find out. What are you doing over there? What are you doing? Are you doing nothing except what you see your father doing? Because if you're of the royal family, that's the way you're gonna have to live your life. Everybody's so quiet. You can't enter into fellowship with the king if you don't fellowship with the king. <laughs> you can't fellowship. Do you know what that means about the fellowship? It's an order of royalty. Um, have y'all ever, I had this at my seminary training, we had a fellowship. And I was entered into this fellowship. I was invited into it at the Pierce Center for Discipleship Making at Gordon-Comwell. I was entered into a fellowship, and there was certain rules governing that fellowship. Uh, One of them was that there were certain things I had to do to be a part of it. It was really cool. I mean, I had to read certain literature on mystics and going deep in Jesus. I had to go to retreats. Uh, they and they said, you know what? You know what we'll do for you. We're going to give you money. They paid for a large part of my seminary training, but I had to come into a fellowship. And when I came into that fellowship, there were other people that went that go to Gordon Conwell, but they weren't they weren't in that fellowship. I was grateful to be in it, but it had certain requirements that surrounded it, and certain privileges that went with it. See, when we when we talk about being in fellowship. When we're talking about royalty, <clears throat> well, what do you think that's like to get in the fellowship of the king? I mean, let's not play around with this because, see, his fellowship qualification is what I'm saying. Well, you can be in the servant classes if you want, because when the Lord comes back, everybody, when He comes back and splits the eastern sky. The reason why he's gonna be wiping a lot of tears away is realize, people are gonna realize they're wasting their life. They're gonna say, Oh, dang it if I would have known. And the Lord's like, Oh, I put preaching and teaching on the earth. I didn't leave you bereft of this understanding. I introduced it to you. You just want to keep on doing what you're doing. And now it's still being on the top floor of Doubt and Abbey. You're in the basement of it. I thought I was good. Uh, it's for real, like that. It is like that. You you know we don't want to like be playing around. I told my kids this week we're driving to Veritas. I said, "Listen, I'm listening. You can't depend on your mother and my's overcoming. You 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 seek the Lord because He's coming back and why He may be found. I'm telling you, I'm, they got a not a browbeating and stuff. Or a, they got a little bit of a daddy lecture." But I'm like, you quit this other stuff, you know. Yeah, I know you like FaceTime this and I call it the, um, you know, Pinterest and Pinstagram, you know. Uh, I got them mixed up in my head now. You think I'm like old or something. I'm like, Instagram and Pinterest, I mismade made it Pinstagram. I was like, you stop Pinstagram and your whole thing and you seek the face of God and worship the Lord. You guys Please, I'm like praying for you, but quit playing around. Leander, my baby's in the back. Yes, sir, daddy, yes, sir. I was like, and he's like, y'all better say yes, sir, to daddy. (laughs) seven-year-old's like, yes, sir. I was like, that's what I'm saying, son. Quit playing around. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And um, I want you in a relationship with him. I pray for you, but if you... If you let this image stuff keep on pervading you and messing with you all the time, you're going to miss the Lord. You're trying to build an image. Okay, yeah, you're good looking and all that stuff. Who cares? That's fine. I'm proud of you. I'm happy. But that isn't the basis of life. It's him, the Lord. Um, we want to be in fellowship. I want to be in the fellowship of the king. And he does have protocol. And his only protocol, he didn't make it hard, is I do nothing except what I see my father doing. That's really, the word isn't, compli- I mean, he's highly complex, just let's just say. But he makes very complex things simple. So let's just make it real simple. And today as we like uh, close, um, let's just ask ourselves a question like this. Let's just be real. I don't want an intellectual faith and I don't want an experiential faith and I don't want a historical faith. What do I mean by that? I don't want just mental assent to Christianity, intellectual. I don't want experiential, my mama, my daddy, somebody else's, even my past experience. That's not good enough for today, right now, right now. And I don't want historical faith. Yeah, Jesus was on the earth 2,000 years ago. He's out there in the, somewhere else. No, I want real time, right now, relational with him. I want fellowship with him. Now, maybe, I don't know if you ask yourself this question. How do you do that, Carol? And I I just want to say, I learned this. I've had to learn it. I had to be taught. It's taken me 18 years of learning. Go quiet yourself. I don't mean to a quiet time. Let's not turn this into the, the QT weirdness. Go quiet yourself. Go get still. It's very uncomfortable most of the time. Go wait on the Lord. Just wait on him. Yeah, but they said this about me. This isn't right. This financial picture isn't right. My That person's health's off. This relationship's falling apart. I feel vacant. I feel exposed. I feel hurt. Lean into it. Lean into him. Uh, the word is most near probably when you feel sometimes the worst. And we try to fill that void with all kinds of things. I, I know this because uh, Karen and I have had to get to know this, and it'll feel like it'll feel like when he comes near, it usually feels the worst at first. And so I've used that, now it may not for you, but it does for me. It normally feels, how do I explain this? Like I'm either blaming myself or I'm wanting to blame somebody else. Because when God comes near, it messes with all of your, uh, your context, your structures, what you put your hope in, and it all kind of gets uh, you know blown out of, and you, you feel um, out of order. But the order of God is actually coming in that moment to show you His order. Because what we don't realize is we base a lot of um, we base a lot of our sense of just peace on the order that we've been trying to bring all around us all the time. You know, if I could get my education worked out this way, and if I could get these people to like me, or if I could get this thing done at my business, if I could just get these things right. I'll feel better. It's it's philosophically the way that we're oriented for comfort and pleasure. You're oriented to want in our sin nature actually for comfort and pleasure. But God made us in such a way that that comfort can only come from the Comforter. It, it's not going to come from the things of this world. And the pleasure is is him himself because at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He's the great pleasure of the human heart. No one satisfies like the Lord. I feel feel exposed in. on. I feel like I'm out of control. When I'm here, I've been manipulated before and I don't want to be manipulated again. So I'm going to like Go isolate myself or I'm gonna get in your face you know some of us we respond differently we respond with words of anger and attack and some of us just retreat into ourselves right but the Lord is near. It can't be the Lord it is the Lord he comes so near and he's so gentle because he's perfectly loving he's exposing what we think that will bring us comfort and pleasure he says i want you because i desire and delight in you i care about you i love you and if you'll just let him come near and you won't fill it with all these other things he'll give you a context and the text will come in every time i can't believe this every time it happens to me i always think i'm out of work i I don't know anything, and I feel, oh God, what am I going to do? What care am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I feel it coming in on me, coming in on me. And I just like have learned the hard way. Just wait for him, wait for him, wait for him. It's like your mind has to completely clear off. You go blank slate, you have no mind. And then you're into the nothing. And then when you hit that place, God will always deliver to you every time. Now, I didn't know that, but I'm telling you, as a preacher and as your friend and as just a plain old carol, that the Lord will meet you every single time. And it'll blow all your circuits and you'll be like, no way he'll always come and it'll always be in a way that you never expected him to come because you can't you can't know God like that so he introduces himself to you just let him and if you'll say I, you know what I'm gonna submit to this pattern of life I want to be in fellowship with you the king it's not complicated and uh, my wife and I talked a lot about this he comes in the vacancy fields first First two primary responses, I turn in, I start to blame myself, this is guilt. Or I blame someone else, it's shame. Or I blame my I, I blame my past, or which is the past is guilt, I blame the future, which is shame. And I say, I can't control the future and I feel out of control. Or I look to my past and say, I really blew it for you. Or, and I blame myself. Or I don't blame myself, I blame someone else. I say, well, it's your fault because of what you did in the past. Or I say, well, you're not getting your act together in the future. And so I'm finger pointing. I, it'll happen to you when the Lord comes near. And it, it, this is what Kara and I are talking about a lot now. When he comes near, let's just go ahead and lay all the finger pointing down faster than we did before. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your grandma's fault. It's not your granddaddy's fault. It's not, maybe they did something wrong. Maybe you did something wrong. Well, I confess my sin. Then if I need to, I'll just confess it. Why hold back? I'm just going to tell the word, the truth. I did something wrong. I shouldn't have done it. What's us not make this hard. I behold him now. He said, I forgive you. I love you. I desire you. I delight in you. All the finger pointing stops. All this scattered mindedness quits. And the next thing you know, you'll come into repose. You won't know anything. Again, he'll say, let me, t- let me tell you something. Oh man, he's gonna do two things for you every time. He's gonna tell you something more about who you are and how special you are to him. And he's gonna give you the righteousness to live it out. He'll give it to you. He's he's gonna install what was missing in that moment. A blue component, the blue component is self-discovery. He's gonna tell you who you are. Oh man, one of the most thrilling things is to find out who you are. And he's gonna say, you know what? some righteousness because you can't live up to that so i'll give you my nature so you can and there's an exchange peter caught it taking on the divine nature in that moment you take on more of his life you become more like him you want this exchange to happen he exchanges his life for yours technically it's called double imputation That's the technical, theological perspective. He takes your sin and He gives you His his righteousness. And the reward that you need, that's His, He gives you His reward. It's a really good deal with Jesus. But all you have to do, it's real simple, but we've made it really hard, is do nothing. wait on him and let the divine life exchange with your life and become more like him and the more and more you become like him you will begin to see him you'll see him as he is and now the perspective of your whole life becomes his eyes looking at you looking at him looking at you looking at him and now the gaze of god's eyes are looking down on you And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the greatest human experience you'll ever have. No one can do this for you. You know, we want to be known so much, but no one can know us like he knows us. And he loves us. Welcome to the royal family. It's always been and always will be Those of us have been justified freely in grace, he gave us this life. Now we grow up in this life. There's a, I don't know if y'all think like this. I I know I didn't when I first started out. There's a whole trajectory in God of maturity. (laughs) You know, there's a childlikeness and sonship training, airship training, and throne ship training. There's a, there's a whole journey. Your life, your own, actually is just a journey. The destination is God. Um, Jesus paid for the whole He He paid for you to play. Have fun. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
3: Dress and veil as snow. and He said he'd come for me, he'd know when I'm ready. And my heart is aching for the coming. I must get ready now I must get